Well, Father God, just anoint this word. I just pray that our spirits and my spirit will be in tune with your spirit and what it is that you want to say to the people. Bless our time as we, as the word is being released to the hearer. In Jesus' name, amen. There was a time back in 2010 where I took a trip out to California with a couple people from the church. I believe it was about three to four of us when we went out there. While we were out there, we learned about there being a house that was nearby where Pentecost all began here in America. So it was a house called the Bonnie Bray House. We heard about it. We got a t retaste of the history of it. And the person who was taking us around said he knows exactly where it is. Let's go there now. So we took off with those who were with us and we were all like in one accord that we should definitely go check this out. When we got there, um, the house wasn't open. So we were kind of looking in through the fence. We kind of did a couple of things that were probably not something I want to mention here, uh, but it was in order to get closer to the house. And while we were there, the person who was uh, supervising the house came by and we got to talk to that individual. And as we were talking to them, they let us inside. We let them know that we were from Philadelphia and all that good stuff. And we, we get inside there and we just, it's a small, modest home where the, the, the legend is that that's the place where Pentecost was birthed in America through William Seymour. And so we were in there, we were walking around, we were taking it in. There was a piano there. There was, it was, it was really no furniture except for that, maybe a table, and then there was actually a pulpit in another room. It was really modest, stripped of everything. We just came there to be in that atmosphere. And while we were there, we were given permission to pray, so we got into a time of prayer. And we didn't feel like it was enough, so we actually asked the supervisor if we were able to stay the night. I had the audacity to ask if there was a possibility that we can stay overnight. And she got a, a, a kind of a, a feel for who we were, so she, she uh, went for it. She said that would be fine. So we went there that night with just like basic uh, blankets, and I don't even know if we had pillows. We went with the basics with us to that time. We get there and we actually invite some other people out so that they can worship with us. We think it's a cool idea that we would be able to worship where Pentecost was birthed in America, there in LA. And we, we go through that whole thing and eventually they leave. And as everybody leaves, we're still in this mode of prayer and of reverence of what God is doing. There was things that I was envisioning when I was there. There was just many little small moments of the Spirit doing things while we were just there. I mean, it was, it was bare except for a piano. And, you know, there was, you know, we had a floor. There was a table. It was, it was nothing there. In fact, as we were getting tired and we were sleeping over, we just laid our blankets on the rough wooden floor, fell asleep, and woke up the next day, and I mean, <laughs> we can feel it in our bones that we slept on the floor. Uh, the reason why I share that with you is because we're here in Pentecost weekend, where all around people are celebrating the spirit of Pentecost, the time of Pentecost. And it, whenever I think about Pentecost, it takes me back to that moment where we were in the birthplace of Pentecost. In fact, we also, uh, we also went to visit the Azusa Street Mission where things continued on from this small modest house to this mission where people from around the world would gather. It was a place where the spirit was breaking out. The reporters were reporting on it. People came to see it. It was just a phenomenon, and it was back in the 1900s where that all started. And so it's a part of our history, especially if you're Pentecostal or charismatic. It just feels like that's one of those things that we should 
know and acknowledge that's part of our history. So it was just us going for it when we were there. We were just going for it. We were going for it, taking a look at that house. We were going for it when it came to asking the lady if we could stay overnight. We were going for it when we were taking time to pray and worship in that place. We were just going for it. It was just that kind of attitude that I believe is the attitude that really supports the spirit behind Pentecost. And I want, I want to just leave something there and I want to move on to something. And I want to talk about how our adversary, the enemy, the devil, our adversary is ironically not bothered by a lot of what we do. Now we do a lot in Christianity. We do a lot in church. And I'm convinced that he's not as bothered with our preaching. He's not as bothered with sometimes even our worship and different things we do. It, you know, he's not as bothered with it as long as we don't party like a Pentecostal. And I want to explain that. We could do a lot of different things, right? And we can be excited about a bunch of things and we can host these events and call them revivals and some of them are those things. But I'm convinced that the enemy lets us do a lot of these different things and there's nothing as annoying or detrimental to what impacts the kingdom that he wants to bring, the kingdom of darkness, as as then when we party like a Pentecostal. Acts 2 is where we find the account. In Acts 2 it says, When the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Then there appeared to them divided tongues as a fire, and one sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. And there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. And when this sound occurred, the multitude came together and were confused because everyone heard them speaking in his own language. Then they were all amazed and marveled, saying to one another, Look, are not all these who speak Galileans? And how is it that we hear each in our own language in which we were born? Parthians and Medes and Elamites and those dwelling in Mesopotamia, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phygra and Pamphylia, Egypt and the parts of Libya adjoined, Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabs, we hear them speaking in our own tongues the wonderful works of God. So they were all amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, Whatever could this mean? And others mocking said, They're full of new wine. So I just read from you this account where Pentecost broke out. Pentecost was a time where there was actually a feast, and it was a feast of first fruits. It was also known by that as well. Uh, Pentecost speaks to, like, it was around the time of the spring where you would see the first buds begin to blossom and bloom. And Pentecost was a time where there was a feast and celebration that was taking all around. So this is what was kind of the reason for a lot of these gatherings is because they were about to come into a time of feast, yet the Lord was up to something different and new as a result of the disciples and many others gathering together in this upper room. It was said to be about 120 of them of just a diversity of people coming together in this upper room when the Spirit of God fell down in a special way that gave them the ability to 
uh, have a, the Spirit of God in them that allowed them to speak in the language of the people. It was a baptism. It was immersion. It was a power. It's what Jesus promised what would happen later on when he said, uh, there's a different baptism than the baptism of John. When I come to baptize, I come to baptize in the Spirit and with fire. And so this is what we were seeing is what Jesus said he would do is now upon these guys. And it's a Pentecostal party. I want to describe it as that. It's a Pentecostal party. And I want to ask you this question. Are you ready for a Pentecostal party and what that looks like? So let me explain that and, and break that down a little bit. Because as we see this Pentecost break out, a lot of us just really focus on the baptism of tongues, which was a significant moment. And we don't want to downplay that. But we want to look at some of the other things that were contributed and described in this time. We read that... In this time where Pentecost or the Spirit broke out, we read that the party was held at a place that I'm going to call oneness. That's where the party, the Pentecostal party, broke out in a place where they were one accord and they were one mind. So the party and the condition of the place where this Pentecost party can break out was a condition called oneness. It was a coming together. It said they were of one mind. Now, think about that. How unusual is that for a diverse group of people to be of the same mind? I don't know about, you know, for some of you who are married, how many times are you of the same mind of the place you want to go to eat? How many of you, like if you were the crowd, are of the same mind of the movie that you want to go to or the place you want to visit? I mean, they were all and one accord. They were all of the same mind. That is profound when, when you think about it, that people of a different maybe background, different ages, different genders, all those differences that were in that place, 120 people, that would be a lot of differences found in one place. But it says at the moment where the Spirit fell, they were all one. They all agreed. They were all of the same focus, of the same mission. That is mind-blowing. To have two people, much more, 120 people being in one accord. It, you know, there's this, um, the three musketeers, it reminds me of that. All for one and one for all. It's, it's this picture when the musketeers would say that. It's like we're loyal to one another and we're loyal to the mission or we're loyal to the cause. We're loyal to each other and we're loyal to the mission and cause. And this is the picture of Pentecost. The picture of this party is that there are people that are for one another. They, each, each of them are about each other. They're like, I'm for you. And each of them are for the other. Each of them are not just about themselves and just considering things for how they see things should be done, but they are of about each other, and they're all in the same mind with that fact. And they're also for the same cause. I mean, same mission, going the same direction is what is taking place at this Pentecostal party. You know, um, I, I talked to you a little bit about the Bonnie Bray House in Azusa, Azusa Street, uh, the whole, the, where Pentecost was birthed. And, and you could read about it a little bit in the book, God's Generals. And so I want to read to you this from the publication, uh, insert from the publication that William Seymour sent out to the people that were a part of that publication. He would describe what was going on in those publications. Here's one of the accounts in the first publication. Seymour wrote, Multitudes have come. God makes no difference in nationality. Then a few months later, he wrote, the meeting has been a melting time. The people are all melted together, made one lump, one bread, all one body in Christ. There is no Jew or Gentile, bond or free in the Azusa mission. No instrument that God can use is rejected on account of color or dress 
or lack of education. This is why God has built up the work. The sweetest thing is loving harmony. This is what he writes about this Pentecost party that they're in. He says we're all, there's so many differences here, but we're all melted together. We are one. We are loyal to one another and we are loyal to the cause of the Spirit. It's essential that there is loyalty if there's going to be oneness. And this is what you find whenever the Spirit of God is going to come and break out in a place. There's no, there's no place heaven likes to throw a party in more than a place where there is oneness. When you see oneness of people together, loyal to the causes of Christ, and they come together like that, that's where God says, put my spirit right there. Put my, pour out my spirit and give my spirit without measure into that place. Because that's the place that is so similar to what heaven is like, that heaven needs to participate in the party whenever there's oneness. Division, whenever there's division in a place, that's where it almost as the spirit lifts. The spirit lifts from that place because division is chaotic. When people are all about all these other things and about themselves, it's, a, it's, it's rebellion, it's chaotic, it's a bunch of other stuff that when that's in a place, it's the spirit sort of pulls back because it's not what heaven is about. God will bless what most resembles heaven, but God in some ways refuses to bless what resembles the enemy's kingdom, what resembles what the enemy is like. And the enemy is like division. The enemy likes chaos. And when we're all scattered and using our diversity to actually divide from one another, the Spirit is withheld from coming into a place the way the Spirit wants to break out. Just think about it. I mean, God the Father, Jesus His Son, and the Holy Spirit are diverse in their expressions in a lot of ways, but they still operate as one. And what are they about? They're about preferring the other. That oneness that you see in the Trinity is the Spirit preferring the Son and the Son preferring the Father and the Father preferring the Son and the Son preferring the Spirit. They're all preferring one another and they're all for the same cause. So if you're going to have a Pentecostal party and if you're going to hang at a Pentecostal party, the first thing that's essential is that we are one. You know, there's fraternities that are around and in, in, in these fraternities now, Forgive me, I might be like a novice when it comes to this. I wasn't part of fraternity, you know, or anything. Here's my watching from afar what I see about fraternities. And so some of the things I see from afar with fraternities is they have their symbols. You know, they have their names, what it could be like, I don't know, Omega Phi or something like that. And whenever they say their name, they say like Omega Phi, you know, they get, they get like this this deep voice, or they, they, they announce it or roar it in a certain way. So when even they say their names, and there's this whole initiation process that goes into it. it can, another way of saying it, they have to be baptized into what it is to be that fraternity, in that fraternity. And there's characteristics that go with that fraternity so they could distinguish from the other fraternities, the other families, the tribes, the places that they're in. They, they look to distinguish themselves. The reason why I mention that is because when you're invited in a Pentecostal party and you're actually a Pentecostal participant in that party, there's going to be things that are characteristics that distinguish you from just any other thing that's out there. There's the people of the Spirit carry themselves and conduct themselves in a certain way. And we see that by reading what's happening in Acts. We can see some distinguished characteristics that I want to mention here because you might have not seen this in what happened as the Spirit fell and this diverse group of people were one and in their oneness they were able to speak to a diversity of people. 
And here's the thing about, these are the characteristics. I'll call them Pentecostal partiers. <laughs> Pentecostal partiers are down with living backwards. Or Pentecostal partiers are down with backwards living, wherever, whichever way you want to put it. Let me help you with this. So there's a, there's a common theme whenever you look at what's happening in Scripture. You, you see some things that can seem like backwards and Pentecostal. People of the Spirit get it. They get that sometimes it's backwards. Um, the way that they're living because of the way the world around them kind of lives and the things and the choices that they make. So in the world's eyes, it's backwards. And the Pentecost, we're okay with that, pen, that backwards living because the reality is everything else is upside down and, and, and what the world is doing. But for us, we have to embrace what might be considered backwards living. So here's the examples that we embrace, is we embrace that sometimes the new wine is served last at a party. Isn't that what happened with Jesus? They ask him, why do you serve the new wine now? Why do you serve the best wine now? At the end, that's backwards. So you almost have to be okay with this backwards to the world living. That for us, we embrace the idea that in order to go up, we actually have to bow down. That's backwards in our thinking. And the many, many people's thinking is like, I go up by rising up, by being a little bit more, um, you know, pompous about something. And so they think that's the way to go up. That might be the way the world goes up, but in the kingdom, the way up is actually bowing down, kneeling, humbling ourselves before God. In fact, in that process, it's a death to self. And can you believe that when you die to self, that actually leads to life? That's backwards in, in the way that people are thinking. is like, I got to do me is the way that people describe it. If I do me, that's going to lead to a life that I really am going to enjoy if I do me. Well, that doesn't, that doesn't sit well for Pentecost and the way that the Spirit operates. The Spirit would operate saying, no, you're kind of called to prefer others and you're called to die to self so that you can live to Him. So that's backwards. Here's backwards thinking or backwards living is we give if we want to receive. I mean, we say this often in church, but a lot of times um, it's really backwards thinking for the person who's not used to living that way. But we've learned to live backwards. We live backwards when we choose to forgive. And a lot of the world looks at free, uh, forgiveness as kind of, you know, being caged in or there's something wrong with that where we look at forgiveness as freedom. Forgiveness is not captivity. Forgiveness is freedom. This is backwards to a world. And in fact, this is like language that's hard for them to interpret or understand when we talk about things in that way. And even the way we get wisdom, I mean, a lot of wisdom seems illogical. That's backwards for a lot of people. The wise thing would seem illogical to the rationally minded a lot of times. And I could break each of these things down, but just, just understand that this is backwards living that we're called to embrace as a person of the Spirit. Inside, when everyone else is outside, that's backwards. When we, when we find ourselves doing the opposite of what the world is doing. When everyone is divided, we decide to be one. And that is what we see at that time of Pentecost. There's so many different types of people that are around and they're divided and they're preferring their own way of doing things, even in a time of festivity and even a time of party. But for those who are in the Pentecostal party or Pentecostals, we are one when everyone else is divided. And this is what we see, that we, if we're going to party like a Pentecostal, we're going to have to be able to do things backwards. 
to be spirit-led. We talk about that, and it talks about in scriptures, like you're called to be spirit-led. What, what, what does that mean, to be spirit-led? Well, it means that we put God first. That's what it means. It's like the, the first thing that I'm considering and the first thing that I'm, I, I want is what God wants. That's what it means to have a spirit-led life. The opposite of that would be a carnal living. Carnal speaks of the flesh, speaks of our appetites, speaks of the things that we feel is best for us at first. That's why it says that to live to Christ is, and to die, to die is gain is because there's so much that we get when we crucify our flesh or put our appetites behind us. Those things become last. We let God take care of our appetite, but the first thing we take care of as a spirit-led life is we take care of God first. See, to be spirit-led is we're, we're led with what is good to God. Like if it's good for God or good to God, then it's good with me. That's the first thing I do. But to have a carnal life or a flesh life or flesh-led life, it, it's more of a life that says it feels good to me first, feels good to the flesh first, and that's how I live my life. And for, the, for most people, that is forward living. They don't see that as like anything wrong with that. It's like that's how I proceed forward. That's how I move forward. That's how I live my life. So when you're saying I'm spirit-led, you're basically said I'm living backwards. I'm not living from the flesh and my appetite. And hopefully God is good with all those things I do and his spirit is good with that. It's I live first by his spirit. What the spirit wants, what the spirit adores, what the spirit is like. I live with that first. My flesh comes in last. It's backward city, y'all. It's a backward living, but that's who's part of this fraternity or this party of those who call themselves Pentecostal, is that's who we are, and that's how we live. So that's, that's the Pentecostal partier and all that stuff, and, and I could go on about that, and, and you probably could think of other scenarios where it's like, you know, the Spirit asked me to do that. It was such a backwards way of doing things, but I realize now that is exactly the way God wanted it. It was wisdom, even though it seemed illogical in that moment. Now here it comes with more illogical or irrational or weird type of things that Pentecostals do, and you know they're at that party and they're being influenced by the Spirit in this way. It's that God is asking us to, for us to ask certain people to join the party. And even that's backwards, because check this out. Who he asked to join the party, or who he's asking us to ask to join the party, are people that we just described. People are living by the flesh. People are just living the way that they're living. And in fact, those people are living in a way that they think this is the way you move forward, and then we're called to live backwards, and then ask these people who see our ways as backwards to join the party. And what they do and the people that are joining the party oftentimes are mocking us. They're, they're mocking us, just like we read in Acts. We read that people were making fun of them. They're like, these guys have dr drunk too much wine, too much of that new wine, too much of that, that sweet wine, too much of that, and that's why they're in the condition that they're in, right? They don't realize that this oneness poured out the Spirit in a special way that brought them into a place where they're able to do the things that they were doing. The mockers around them, or the people around them, begin to mock their behavior. I want you to see something here. Oneness is blessed. So if we choose to be one with a diverse group of people, one and loyal to them, we read that that is blessed. But check out this contrast. Oneness is blessed, but first... People who go first in the spirit are often mocked. In a trip, you could be one and God blesses it, 
But if you go first, oftentimes you'll be mocked. That's why it's so hard to be the first to do something, whether that's in your family, whether that's because of your faith, uh, whether that's in just your church even, whether that's amongst your friends. You know, the first to do something being led by the Spirit are oftentimes mocked. Why? Because they don't understand what the truth yet you're displaying. And, and, and here's what we read, right? They were mocked for the truth that others don't fully understand and will be the same way. If we're in this Pentecostal party, you're oftentimes going to be mocked for living out a truth, the truth, that others don't fully understand because they were mocking them for the truth. I don't know if you read that, but they were saying, look at them, they're filled with new wine. Guess what? They were right. They were filled with the new wine. It's what Jesus said that he was going to bring. He said, I'm going to fill them with new wine, that their old wineskins will not be able to contain this new spirit, this new movement that I'm bringing. So they were absolutely right, but they were mocking a truth. They didn't understand the fullness of that truth, right? They were just saying new wine. They didn't realize it was the new wine of the spirit, but they had it right, but they thought about it wrong. So they mocked it. You know, there's, there's a time where people are called Jesus freaks. Guess what? You know, that's a, that might sound derogatory or sound like, man, that was harsh. However, that's true. Like, what's wrong with be call, being called a Jesus freak? You know, they say it to us to demean us, but the reality is like, come on, bring it on. Yes, I'm filled with this new wine. Yes, I'm a Jesus freak. You're mocking me for something that you don't fully understand. It's true. I am. I freak out when it comes to Jesus. So we can embrace those things because they're mocking us for a truth. They don't fully understand. There was a time where they called them holy rollers. I, I was thinking about coming up with my own squad called holy rollers because I think that's a cool little term, holy rollers. I roll with the holy one, right? So they were mocking them and calling them these holy rollers and this and that. Hey, bring it on. What you're saying is true. I'm rolling with the Holy One. <laughs> I'm rolling with the one who's the Holy of Holies. I can take it. So they're mocking it because they don't fully understand it. We get a little hot and bothered by the fact that people are mocking us or ridiculing us for the thing that is the truth of what we're carrying. They might not fully understand it, what they're saying, but it's true. And, and we should say, bring it on. That, that's it is what it is. First will oftentimes get mocked. Think about it. The first person who slam dunked a basketball. That was just like weird, right? Now it's the thing that's most celebrated in the sport when somebody slams. But the, the, the first person who slammed a, a basketball, uh, oftentimes they're looked at as weird or you don't understand them. Whenever you go first in something that's innovative or new and, and something that's going to enhance something, it's oftentimes, it's mocked. I can imagine the person when they were first trying to explain downloading music from the cloud, from some invisible thing out there where the people who are used to CDs that they can see and they can put into their CD player, right? All that stuff. I think every new innovation, everything that is going to be a first, oftentimes gets mocked by people that don't understand. Later on, we can appreciate it. But if you're the first to do it, oftentimes we're mocked. And it's no different when it comes to the spirit. It's no different. It's just that new thing that's out there. But here's the thing that mocking can do with us if we're not careful Mocking has a way of changing our minds about what we're doing. That's why it's so devious. Because when you get mocked, all of a sudden, if you're used to like making sure that everybody likes you, then you get mocked because you go first and you go for something. It's like, like maybe it's not a good idea or maybe I'm not doing this right or maybe it is ridiculous. So oftentimes, mocking has a way of changing our perspective of doing something that's right and is true. But those who are at the Pentecostal party are just going to have to be okay and embrace that when you go first, you're going to be mocked. And it's just all throughout this Bible, don't be deceived. Whenever there was a first of something that was happening, 
Lots of people misunderstood it and didn't understand what was going on. Again, because they looked at us as doing things backwards, as doing things like that don't, it just doesn't make sense, right? They were accusing the disciples when they got out there, hey, they're drinking that new wine, kind of doing things backwards. Later on, we'll get to the drinking, the festivities. It's too early in the morning for you to be having a drink, right? So it, in, in their minds, it's that. God could have easily waited to pour out a spirit in the evening when everybody else would have probably understood it better because everybody else was drunk, right? But he wanted everybody else in their maybe logical state, in their, the place where things were just beginning to, sh to show them is like, here's what's really needing to start. Here's the thing that I'm beginning in the beginning of this Pentecost season. Most of us want to be received by people we want to help. So the fact that we want to help these people and they're mocking us doesn't always bode well with us. But as when, if you're going to join the Pentecostal party, get used to it. It's just some of what comes with the territory. You're going to be one and be blessed because of the people that you're doing life with and moving the kingdom forward with, that you're loyal to those those there and you're also part of that same cause but people that you're called to help are oftentimes going to reject what you have to say and that causes us to sometimes get into this place where we just like we're wrestling right we start wrestling with things of the flesh it shows how much of the spirit we have inside of us to overcome that rejection and the spirit inside of us if it's really been poured out without measure, guess, up, guess what? We can get all that rejection, but we are so adopted, we are so tuned in, we are so partying with heaven that it doesn't even affect us like it would affect everybody else. Rejection will cause a lot of people to sh shrink back, but those who've been adopted by his spirit and are at that Pentecostal party, they are not going to see it the same way. In fact, they're going to have to say, have something to say about what has been said. And that's exactly what Peter did. This person who would sort of shrink back from that kind of antagonistic way of doing things, right? When, when Peter was saying, I would never betray you, Jesus. And then Jesus said, yeah, yeah, right. You know, you're going to betray me three times. And, you know, he had a little girl say something. He had this person say something. And each time he shut up and he shrunk back because he was afraid of being rejected. Why? Because even though he was around Jesus, he had been fully filled with the spirit that would, uh, of Jesus that would bring the courage, that would bring the characteristics that he needed to overcome whatever antagonist would come his way. And I don't know about you, man, but this is the time where we need Pentecost. We need a Pentecostal party in these times where there's voices that are mocking, voices that are coming after those who would live the backwards life of those who are people of the Spirit, the children of God. A Pentecostal party is where we're moving forward, and when we're moving forward, it means we do things backwards. That's the only way to move forward when you're at a Pentecostal party. Sometimes it looks like you're living backwards. Why? Because the spirit comes first and the flesh and all these other things come second. But we embrace it because we're at a Pentecostal party and we're those partiers. I wonder, for you that are listening to this, I wonder what backwards thing that the spirit of God is asking you to do. I wonder, I wonder if there's a backwards way of thinking that God would invite you to embrace so that you can move forward. I know it might seem backwards to get married before you have intercourse, but that's the backwards thinking of being led by the Spirit and putting the first things first. I wonder if it might be backwards thinking where he, you haven't even finished Genesis, reading the first book of the Bible, but he might say, hey, jump over here to Revelations. I want to show you some things. Wouldn't that be a backwards way 
of doing things, wouldn't it be backwards for you to believe something before you see it? I'm telling you, in order to move forward in the kingdom, forward in what God is asking us to do, oftentimes it looks like we're doing things backwards. But it's the life of those who are in that Pentecostal party that are partying like a Pentecostal. If, you're, if you want to be first in some of these things, and you know, I mentioned a couple things here, but that's, there's so much more, right? I'm just, I'm just kind of teasing out what it might mean that the Spirit is saying to you. But if you want to be first, I want you to know you might be mocked. Chances are you're going to be mocked and going to be misunderstood. Big time chances that's going to take place. But you're filled with the Spirit. And when that oneness brings about all of heaven's glory and all the Spirit's power onto your life, those things are just distractions. Those things are sidebar things that happen. Those things might mess with our flesh, but because we're so in the things of the Spirit and be led by the Spirit, it doesn't cause us to shrink back. But if, uh, if anything, it causes us to be like a Peter, that we stand up and we speak to the mockery of what's being said about us. This is the time of Pentecost. We need to come back to Pentecost. We need to return back to that place and maybe like I did lay on the floor and humble ourselves under the mighty hand of God and just go for it go for it why don't we just go for unity we've seen everything else we've seen what division does why don't we try what unity and oneness does why don't we try to do the things that we read here and we actually like we 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 love that the church and Pentecost came together like that. And so many people got converted as a result of that moment and were baptized immediately on that day. And they were all diverse. And they were all different. And they started as mockers. And they ended up becoming believers. That's what the Spirit of God does. That's what Pentecost is about. Going back to William Seymour, the sort of the, the father of what happened here in America, in L.A. Where, where did that happen, by the way? It happened in L.A., right? This is where Pentecost broke out in the 1900s. The West Coast. The sun rises in the east, but what does it do in the uh, west? It sets in the west. God was kind of doing things backwards, right? You would think he would start something maybe in the east coast where the sun rises, but instead he did something in the west coast where the sun sets. Sounds backwards? Sounds backwards to use an African-American who wasn't having the same level of education as many of his contemporaries. And this is who God uses. A man that at a young age, when he was a boy, ended up getting smallpox and going blind in one eye. So a man who can half see, a man who is an African-American in the 1900s, in the slums of L.A., that would seem backwards to do something like that in that place. I think it would even seem backwards that Jesus told the disciples to go back to Jerusalem, the place he was just crucified. That was the place that took him to the cross, took him to Calvary. That's so backwards that he would send them to a place they associated with death as a place where he would do a new thing and pour out life. And here we notice all those things that can be mocked and misunderstood are oftentimes the thing that God uses the most. So I don't know how you see yourself, and I don't know what the Spirit of God is saying to you, but you might have all these different things of how you've concluded that, man, I don't have, and I'm not at the place where I believe God can do something substantial through me. And so you're looking at all these other things and you're celebrating them. Uh, you're looking at all these things and it says that makes sense that that's happening over there. That's making sense that that's happening to that person. If you're a person that you don't think it would make sense that God would do something with you, through you, he wouldn't bring something substantial to where you live, 
family to your city, join the 120. There's 120 that probably have, could have said the same thing. However, they came together in one room, in one place, and they were of one accord and one mind. And that oneness was the sound that God needed. That oneness was the harmony that God needed to hear that he says, we're going to throw a Pentecostal party right there. That's where heaven's going to pour out. That's where the Spirit is going to do something. At that time of day, in the given predicament and situation that they're in, that's what I'm going to do. And I'm going to do something that others will mock. And, but for others, even though it doesn't make sense to them, the fact that they embraced it is a way that I'm going to move in, in their lives and in the world around them. I believe the Holy Spirit wants to have a party again. I believe he wants to do a new thing. He wants to pour out a new Pentecost. He wants to just, he wants to do something substantial. It's, it's almost like we don't have the full words. It's just, we need an agreement. We need a people that are loyal to God, that are loyal to what his spirit wants to do on this earth in us and through us, the people that are willing just to say, God, go for it in me. God, go for it in us. We just need those kind of people because I believe God is going to want to do something even in this Pentecost, even as weird as it might seem, even as divided that people are, what a perfect opportunity for the spirit of Pentecost to pour out on people that are willing to say, just go for it. And it starts with a sound of oneness before he gives us a spirit of power for the masses. I hope you heard what I just said. It starts with a spirit of oneness before he gives us a spirit of power for the masses. Can you believe again? Will you come together with those that are around you that are loyal to one another and loyal to the same cause? Because that's where a Pentecostal party starts. Let me pray. Father, God, we just provoke your Holy Spirit in this moment, God, and we say, God, will you do it again? God, will you take this Pentecost time and will you bring Pentecost again, God? There is so much division, God, and we are a people that we're choosing to be united. We're choosing to prefer others before ourselves. We're choosing your cause and your mission as the premier thing that we're loyal and devoted to, God. And it's so backwards in a world that thinks that they have it, they have it the right, in the right order. But God, I pray that your spirit begins to jar us awake, begins to shake us again, begins to put us in our own personal upper room moment, Lord God. Will you do it, God, by your spirit? Will you hear the cries of those who bend themselves and humble themselves like an Evan Roberts did? He bent himself. He said, Lord, bend me. And that's who you used, a young man who was willing to be humbled and broken and bent and put through this fleshly death. You brought him to life in the spirit and you caused the mighty move of God. God, would you rise up the Evan Roberts generation that they would say, just bend me. Will you rise up the William Seymour types that don't have a lot going for them, don't feel like they're the right color, they don't feel like they have the right education and yet God, they are part of the 120 that you want to bring to an upper room to bring a oneness, to bring a sound and your spirit of power to the masses, Lord God. Let that be those who are listening to the sound of my voice, Lord God. We say join in, be baptized by this fire. Be baptized by the Spirit because it's what you do to initiate people into your family and to throw a party that they might mock for the time being, but they're going to be a part of when it all comes down to it, they're going to come a part of it, Lord God. I pray we would be those people that would embrace whatever that means to lose our life, to find life in your spirit, Lord God. So speak to us right now. Holy Spirit, move in us right now. I pray that you would just be in that place, whether you're in your home or, or, or wherever you are, that you would just invite the Holy Spirit right now. Make your living room, make your car, make wherever you are 
Make it an upper room right now. Just say, Holy Spirit, I'm one with that prayer. Holy Spirit, I'm one with that cause. Holy Spirit is about you. Just pour out Christ. Pour out Christ. Do what you need to do, God. In my life, I'm going for it right now. I'm just going for it. I don't have all the right language. I don't have all the right stuff right now. But I'm just saying, God, go, I'm going for it. I'm going for it. I'm going for it. I'm laying down my life. Burn it away, burn away, whatever you need to burn away. Come with fire. I humble myself under the mighty hand of God. As long as you visit and do a work, the world needs your help. The world needs salvation. The world needs, needs heaven. The world needs Jesus. And I want to be that reflection. I want to be the reflection of heaven. I want to be that goodness of God in the land of the living. I want to be that no matter how weird and ridiculous and strange it might be to be people, Lord God, I embrace it right now because I understand it's the price that comes with Pentecost. So God, I say yes. I say yes. I say yes. Hallelujah. I believe your yes is causing movement to happen right now where you are. I believe your yes right now is beginning to cause scales to fall off and things that are old, habitual, sins in your life to fall off. I believe there's some mind skins that are beginning to be peeled away as he's giving you a new mind skin for the new wine of his spirit. He's pouring out even now. In Jesus' name, we celebrate you and we worship you and we stir you up and we bless your holy presence that your spirit has brought. Hallelujah and amen. I don't know if you're able to take yourself out of that moment, but if you're still in that moment, I say go for it because Pentecost will have you do some things that are ridiculous. So if you even baptize with a new language in that place because you are praying that prayer and you're receiving things, let it flow and let it go. We just bless all that's happening. We look forward to all these things that God's going to do as a result of your loyalty to him and your loyalty to the church and your loyalty to one another. Bless you guys. I know I don't know how else to end it to say just bless you and keep going forward and keep that Pentecostal party going in your life. Amen and God bless.